my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. This week, I sit down with Dan. Once again, we're missing our compadre, Adrian. He's at the tail end of his honeymoon and will be back with us next week. Can't wait for that. This week, we're talking about leadership bias. And there's so much talk about how you lead without bias or how you deal with people in relationships without bias. And we say bull honky. It's not even really a word, but you get what I mean, that we have bias in everything. We are assessment. There isn't any neutrality. And understanding that can help us relate and see where we're biased more than denying the fact that we are. So this has been a fascinating conversation with Dan, and I can't wait to dive in. Let's go. everybody. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. I'm here with Dan. Dan, how are you, man? I'm alive and kicking. Here we are. Uh, once again, we are missing our compadre, Adrian. He's, he's about the end of his honeymoon, which means the real honeymoon will begin when he gets home. <laughs> doing well. now, now we'll see what we're made of. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so happy he's out, but missing him in these conversations. Hopefully, he's with us sure. next time. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into this conversation. This is one, Dan. I I told you before we started recording. This is one I've been excited about recording for a while, especially because um, I think it was maybe two revenants ago, or maybe it was just this last one. This is how you opened it with assessment, yeah. and um, and I was enthralled. It was the first time I had heard you kind of explore the idea of assessment and, and how it shows up. And so um, we're going to talk about assessment versus neutrality and, uh, or, or maybe not versus just assessment and neutrality. And neutrality, Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you offhandedly mentioned, well, you know, there's two types of assessment, right? And then we didn't get into it. So that's where I want to start. What are we talking? What is assessment? Let's, let's go there. And then what are the two types? All right, so let's do a little background first. What is, I just write the, I don't want to miss your questions, they're so good. What is assessment and what are the two types? Okay. Right on. Let's start with this. Um, so assessment and neutrality, right? And what does it mean? Well, assessment is an evaluation, right? That's basically what it is. It's some evaluation, some judgment. It, it's some, you're, and you're constantly doing it, right? That, that's the point I want to get to. It's not like one of the things I talk about, and, and the reason I started talking about this is because I realized how much mischief this has played in my own life, both professionally and personally. And, and then how much I see it playing into the mischief and troubles, unnecessary suffering in my client's life, both personally and professionally. And the, the, here's the breakdown. Like, as you're listening to this, you're thinking to yourself, well, I like it. I don't like it. It's useful. It's not useful. Um, I, you know, this is what I don't like about it. This is cool. I, I, you know, whatever. You're assessing. You can't help but do it. That's all you do. That's all yeah. you do. Yeah. You Chad's voice bugs me. Why are they going on so long? Dan, you know, I, wish, I wish Dan would 
shut up or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, there's a million things that you're assessing that are going on. You're doing it. In, and it's not like you can stop it. If you could stop it, well, let's just try it. Go ahead, stop. Now you're assessing stopping. Why can't I stop judging things? Is there something wrong with me that I can't stop? Maybe that's the way it should be, right? But yeah. it is the way that it is. We're always assessing. We walk into the room. We meet somebody. We immediately assess them. We say we like them. We don't like them. They're like this person. They're like that person. They're not like anybody I ever met. You know, those are all assessments. All I'm doing is assessing. Yeah. That's in the training, in the training, Dan, you go, you go as far as to say, assessment isn't something you do you are assessment you are assessment you are that you assess Uh right and so knowing that there is no such thing as neutrality Mm -hmm. how i paradoxically how one gets to a neutral space or creates some neutrality is by being aware of how you assess Okay. How much like that you are assessing always. If I notice I'm assessing, then I can notice the assessment and I don't, and I can notice if I'm assessing the assessment and not, I can stop that. Right. Does that, if that makes sense, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Right. So, so but that's still not even neutrality. That's like the closest the, thing we can get to neutrality. Get to you can get the, the, the only thing. So that's why when you say, when you hear, bias, mm-hmm. confirmation bias, all kinds of different biases. A bias is an assessment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are biased. There's neurologically, we are biased. We're always, we're always looking out to what that's our brain is naturally deleting, distorting and generalizing information. It's taking in to keep us alive. And it has a set of assessments derived from history that it knows if we can ad- adhere to these particular things that it's assessed from our pe- from the past, then my body will probably stay alive. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if if I look good, and I have certain strategies to do that that I've learned historically, if I feel good, if I if I feel like I'm in control, I'm going to. This is all good, right? So those. Mm-hmm. So my naturally going to be assessing the world in a very particular way. And it sounds something like this. There must be something wrong, bad, or broken with it, them, or me. Mm -hmm. Now, what I mean here is you and I start doing something. We enjoy it. When you get into something, you disappear. You ever done this where you get so involved? Totally. That time disappears. You don't eat and three or four hours have gone by you haven't picked the phone up. You haven't been distracted. You just worked through it and you can't believe you got, you got this much done and, and time passed. Well, what happens when that's called a flow state and that happens for everybody at certain levels, there's multiple levels of flow state. But then what happens is you're so involved that parts of your brain shut down. The part of your brain that differentiates you, that makes you an individual shuts down. The part of your brain that, that understands time it's distributed through your neocortex shuts down and the energy that would normally be used there is directed to the focus of what you're doing. And so you have no sense of yourself and no time, which means that when you do your best work, you aren't even present. The sense of you, like your identity disappears. Mm -hmm. 
Your identity is an assessment of who you are. Mm-hmm. You are, you, Dan is blah, 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 blah. But all that disappears when I'm fully involved. Mm-hmm. So I, I am an assessment. What I, the I, when I refer to me, is an assessment because when I'm involved, all that disappears. Right. So, Got it. so the point is, how do you get into that state? And as soon as things like if I get involved with you and we're doing something and something breaks down, that's when I show up because I show up going, there's something wrong, bad or broken with it, whatever we're doing, you, them, right? Or the people mm-hmm. I'm working with or me, whatever yep, I yep. define me as. Now, that that assessment pulls me out of the engagement and causes me to evaluate the, the engagement from a moralistic point of view of good, bad, broken, useless, etc. Yep. If I evaluate what we're doing is wrong, bad, or broken, how close do you want to get to anything that's wrong, bad, or broken? You don't want to touch it. You don't want to touch it. You, you want out. Mm-hmm. You, so you start pulling back from it, not getting engaged in it. Not connecting over it. It makes you less effective at resolving the thing that is necessary to resolve to get to what you said matters to you. Okay. So is there, is there such thing as non-bias? Like I said, the curiosity is the closest you get to it. Right. Like the other, I said to one guy, skepticism is curiosity with an attitude. <laughs> I mean, it's still to be skeptical is to, assume the worst yeah to be blindly optimistic is to assume the best Mm -hmm. what i want to do is be optimistic i want to say this future can be now i just don't know how it's going to be and now what's wanted and needed and this isn't working it's probably not working because of something i'm seeing or not seeing Mm -hmm. right right So, so i want to be optimistic about my own bias. Like I get it's in the way if I, so how, what can I learn about this that would open up a new possibility? Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I I just, I think it's valuable, at least for me, as I think about my perspective, my relationship with my wife, with my team, you know, with the people that I'm working with, uh, with my clients, it's great to, it's almost freeing to, to recognize that there's, there is no such thing as non-bias, right? I, I'm not coming from a non-bias position ever. And the closest ever. I can get to it is understanding my bias. Yeah. What, what is it that I'm judging? Which means I'm paying attention to the feedback and asking for more feedback. Right. right? I'll never forget. I was working with a team member and we were, we were opening up a, a city for a company I worked with. We were opening up this particular geographic area. And we'd been working well together with me and this this gal. And she, at one point, she was kind of pissy, you know, mean, just like short, not talking to me, short answers. And I said, can I ask you what's what's going on? She goes, I feel like you're just taking advantage of me. And I said, would you tell me more? I didn't even, A, I didn't know what was going on. B, I don't doubt that that could be going on. Can you help me see it? What and she was shocked that I would yeah. ask that. She thought for sure I was going to jam defensive. Her. That's yeah. right. And and she had really good feedback. 
And I could see how she got that. I, that wasn't in my mind, but that's definitely what I was causing in her. So I slowed down and I started to, I, I said, what do you need to know from me? And then she started asking me about my motives in certain situations and conversations. And I, at one point she thought I was trying to edge her out and I was just being insensitive to her. Mm-hmm. I, I was bullying ahead, which I had a tendency to do. And I wasn't thinking about her. I wasn't communicating to her. And she, and I said, so in that way, I was taking advantage of you. And I, I do see that may not be in the way you thought, but it is true. I was, and I just see that now. Thank you. And I said, what do you want from me? What would be beneficial for me when I get into these situations? And she said, just check in with me. Let me, I, I want to, when we start going fast, I want to know, like. You're with me. Yeah. And I want to know that I, like, if I don't, you've made a couple of decisions that you didn't tell me about. And I had other ideas and she told me the ideas, they were better. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, shoot. Yeah. So please inter- interrupt me. I'm, I'm asking you to interrupt me because I may not remember to even ask, but I will. I'll put that down as one thing I can do. Would you interrupt me if you see I'm not doing it? Please. Yep. And that yep. just tightened our relationship up. And we worked for years after that. And we had multiple conversations like that. But it was a lot easier once we broke the ice like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. What, what Dan, what starts to happen? Because um, this is Naked Leadership Podcast. So, We're talking about my leadership. Point is, my point oh, is ahead. when I got, just to complete that, because I didn't complete yeah, the question, yeah. by questioning, like by considering her feedback and getting curious about how I was with her, that's about as neutral as I think you can get. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the, 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 my next question, I think bridges into that and you've really, you've definitely poked at the answer to this, I think already, but I want to be just clear and explicit about it is um, when we, so I think I, I was saying, this is, you know, we're talking very um, both philosophically, but, but also very tangibly about leadership and organizations and working with people and causing results through other people, which is, you know, how you've defined leadership in the past. And my, my question is what, what are the prices we pay when we make our assessments truth with a capital T, right? Like this is the way he is. This is the way she is. This is the way it is. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, I had a guy, so I'm going to answer this as a story and I'll come back and answer it directly, right? Yeah. So the answer is the difference between confidence and certainty, right? So I had a guy come to me saying, well, you know, I really have a hard time working with you. I said, tell me, what, what is it? He says, you're too certain about everything. Mm. And I said, well, that's interesting. Tell me how that works. He says, well, it seems like whenever you get on something, you're just all in and, and like you think it's going to work. I said, no, that's true. That's called confidence. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, I'm not certain it's going to work. I just have confidence that we're going to find a way to make it work. I do. I'm optimistic that way. That's true. Tell me anything else. He said, well, I said, what do I seem too certain now? He said, no, well, I guess. Yeah, you, you think everything's going to work out. I said, I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm confident that if I get involved, it's going to work out. I'm going to find a way to make it work out. Right. Right. And I don't always think it's going to work out because I might get down the way and realize that it working out means it doesn't work out this time. I <laughs> move on to the next thing, but I'm not going to give up. 
right? Yeah. And you're going to keep going after something. So he, he, it was interesting because he was offended by what he considered um, certainty. And I said, well, how would you know the difference between confidence and certainty? And he couldn't answer it. I said, well, one is confidence will question itself. Mm-hmm. And certainty won't. Mm. You know, in the way he was using certainty. Yeah. Right. And so one is like built for self-examination. And the other one's for like you're I might am I trying to prove something to myself or am yeah. I really out there to cause something to happen? The difference is, you know, am I listening from a place to learn or am I listening from a place to prove? Mm-hmm. Right. And if you're listening from a place to learn, you act and then learn and then act and then learn, and you can be confident that that's going to bring you the results you're committed to. Mm. If you're certain, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again without learning because you're certain that's what's needed. That's good, Dan. I'm going to do a YouTube video on that. Is that all right? Oh, yeah. man. That's why we're doing this, so you can get more material. That's right. That's right. This is so good. This is really, really, that distinction is really powerful for me. And um, for me, too, I it really troubled me because I really liked this guy. We ended up not working together because, you know, he, I don't think he liked me or didn't like my way, I, which I understand. Uh, but he, for him, it was, I was too certain. Yeah. You're pretty difficult to get along with. Yeah. I, I, it's true. Ask me <laughs> <laughs> so for some, for sure. <laughs> so if the closest that we can get to neutrality is being aware of our assessment, and then being open to feedback about yeah. the assessment that we're making. It takes, you know, it, it to me, it takes those assessments and, and reduces them from capital T truth to like, this is what I know now. Yes. And, and, and the way to get, so a, so here's a framework we use to get curious about our own framework. Like, right. So that you're always going to be assessing. Let's take advantage of that. Rather than resist it, let's surrender to it. We can, we're going to assess. So now let's, let's get a hold of that assessment and use it for something that's going to benefit us and others. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the way to do that is instead of going what's wrong, bad, or different, what's wrong, bad, or broken about it, them, or me, I could ask, well, what did I want to accomplish? What worked about what I did? What can I learn, take with me? What didn't work about what I did? What broke down? And because it broke down, what was missing? And then once I know what's missing, what can I do to provide? What's wanted and needed based on what's missing? What's wanted and needed that I can provide to bring this to fruition? That we, Adrian and I call that leadership assessment. Mm-hmm. That's how leaders assess things. What was I aiming at? What worked, what didn't work, what's wanted and needed. You know, what's missing and what's wanted and needed. Now, there is a nuance in there. And the nuance is, when I look at what, what, what I did, when I look at what we are up to and what we're after, like we're going to, let's just use, we're going to sell 20 new insurance policies. I work with some insurance sales yeah. in the next month. And I, a guy commits to selling 20 and he sells 15. Yeah. Okay? Now, what 
So first thing, you start with the results. What were the results? What I say I have, what do I have? Mm-hmm. I have 15. I said I have 20. Great. What worked? What didn't work? So when people hear that, the first thing that they tend to go to, which is fine, it's a good thing to go to. What did I do? What did I not do? Yeah. Right. That's a good start. Then the question is, well, what produced the what assumptions was I was was I making that had me do that that and how did I do that and how did that impact my client? Mm-hmm. What did I hear back? Did I bother to investigate? Did I ask for feedback from my client? You know, like, like there's a number of things. What I want to get to is the relationship I'm in that produced the actions I took that produced the results I got, mm-hmm. right? So I start with the results, I move back to the actions, and then I, I think about the thinking that produced those actions, mm-hmm. right? So there's a, there's a number. It, it can very, seem ambiguous. It can feel ambiguous, but really it's actually quite methodical. Oh, it's very methodical. Like I can do it in any, I, I, in any uh, domain, of human endeavor. That's one of the things that I've realized about our work is we could, all I need is a little bit of information about what's the value hierarchy in a certain work. And mm-hmm. then, and I, and I need to understand a certain level of how that all fits together. And then I, it, we can, I can serve the people in the process by using that syllogism that yes. I just lined out. There's a result. It came out of an action that came out of a certain relationship or conversation or thinking as well. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. we can chunk that back. And, and, there, and because of that thinking, certain things look like possibilities. And uh, there might've been like one of the key neurological facts is humans always make the best choice they see available. Now that doesn't mean they see the best choice that's available. They just make the best one they see available. Mm-hmm. So you and I might see, different choices in a situation, you might see a better choice than I do. I may see that choice as a threat because it, 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 it I'm afraid it's going to do something. I, I'm so I get kicked back into my survival thinking and I stay away from that choice because it looks like a threat because I'm afraid I can't accomplish it. You like it because you see a possibility there and you go after it and you're more successful than I am. And we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. see, so you're willing to ask questions of, of yourself about, like you're, you're willing to look into what I see as a threat, as a possibility, and that enables you. So a lot of times when I work with clients, I want to know what they think is threatening because that might be the possibility they're not seeing that's better than the one they are seeing and they're going to act on. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a lot of, that's why there's this is more a principle approach. It's not a... It's you don't want to something that's stochastic where you're going to do this and then that and this and then that. You want sure. it to be more uh, dynamic. You, you use these principles to to look in and you can trace it. So you, well, you can follow it. Yeah, the beauty of the beauty of it being a principle too, and you already pointed this out, is that you can apply this to any realm of relationship. So this is something I use on a regular basis with my wife oh. weekly. Um, I use it with my kids. Well, you know, if, you, if you think about it as a leader, if you're training people this way in your team, 
and they go home and it works at home, they get excited about coming back to work. If they if they can engage this kind of learning, this kind of practice, and it works for them at work, and then it works for them at home, and then it works with them at the kids' soccer game, and it works at the city council meeting, and it works at the school, you know, where you go in and do your review with, the, with your kid about their grades, et cetera. There's, you have a new way of talking with your kids. You start to entrain yourself to assess in a new way. Mm. This leadership assessment really works. Mm-hmm. And it, there, there are obviously nuances in it, but there's a, it's an art and a science. Yeah, it's really great. Um, as we start to wrap this conversation up, any final thoughts as, as people think about, as you think about the position of our listeners and where they're at in their businesses or even your clients that you have currently coming and, and where assessment gets in the way of what they say they want or um, is, is causing more of what they say they don't want. Well, I, what, I think, yeah. And so that's, that's just gravity, which you just, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. So what questions do you start to ask them? So we could leave this conversation with some questions that people could start asking themselves about, you know, observing and being aware of their, because we're saying the closest thing to neutral or non-biased we can get is understanding our own is under. So what questions would you start to ask them? What, how would you, what would you point out? I'd say, wow, I never saw it that way. Tell me more. I just didn't see like, I would get authentic. So once I've, I've, if I can catch myself and get off and get curious about my own reactions, then I'm more equipped to lead them in the same mm-hmm. process. Like, wow, I, I can see I impacted you. Tell me, I, I don't know exactly what it was, or I want to hear how the impact was with you and what did I do exactly? And what did you think about that? Like, I want to understand what I did, what they made up about it how much of that is true I, I can take from how much requires, you know, more inquiry and are they prepared, you know, are they open to what I have to say? Like I'm going to be in a question. I'm going to be understanding them first. Cause I know if they see that I connect with them, that I hear them, there'll be room for me to speak into it. Mm. Right. And that'll maintain the relationship. And that, that takes some talent. I mean, I, I don't, it takes, I don't know, talent. It takes practice. It takes. Yeah. Practice. Yeah. If you don't practice, you lose it. Yeah. I do. I've, yeah. I've reverted back to some very destructive habits at times. <laughs> well, that's what I was, I, as you were saying that, I know I was wrapping up the conversation. I just want to share one more experience because there might be somebody who relates to this. My, a, a big, a large portion of my life experience has been using assessment to, um, not take risk. Yeah. And what I, what I mean by that is with other people. So I, I developed a, I don't know if you want to call it defense mechanism or whatever. Um, but I developed a mechanism where, uh, I got really good at assessing people to the point where I didn't need to connect with them because I already knew them. And, and really what I was doing was I was avoiding the risk of, connection of yeah. interaction, right? I, connection is a vulnerable place, especially at the beginning. And so if I can judge them and make up that I know who I know who they are and that I don't need that, then I don't have to take the risk to connect. The, the problem is, is I was taking a much bigger risk of being 33, 34 and not having any real connection in my life Yeah, other than my wife. So I just, that was, 
that was a realization that I've come to working with you and Adrian a lot, but you know, that was a large portion of my life. And I think some people, when, whenever I talk about that, I, there's a lot of people who can relate to that and not even knowing why they're judging people so deeply. It's like the experience for me was like coming into a room. If I were in a room with five, eight, 10 other people, maybe it's a, a work meeting or whatever. All I had to do was judge them. Each one of them make up that I knew each one of them and who they were and what they were about, what their motives were, all of that shit. And I didn't have, I don't have to connect. Well, you know, and remember they're doing the same thing, <laughs> right? Like we, that's our automatic default. That, that What you just described is the default we talked about. Right. Yeah. And, and you know what, there are, there are a lot of techniques to take advantage of that, that people do that. Saul Alinsky who wrote the rules for radicals. It was a, you know, he was known for his ability to um, take advantage of the human nature that way. And one of the one of the things he talked about is is to is that the threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. Mm -hmm. So he would work on people's imagination, and then and then he would say that one of the most the best things you can do is attack. Use your judgments to put your people on defensive and you will be able to predict them. I mean, so knowing if you're curious and you see this coming at you, you're going to be much more effective than if somebody's coming after you and they're actually going to manipulate you by taking advantage. And any good con artist knows how to do this. They know what you're, we're all predictable in the sense that we're human and we're always looking out for ourselves and we want to make sure we get the best deal, et cetera. We don't want yep. to miss out, right? So they're capitalizing on it. So the more curious I am, the less able others will be to take advantage of me. And I'll right. be able to identify who's really with me and who isn't. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's great. All right. Thanks, Dan. This has been fantastic. Thank you, Chad. Always fun. Yep. I can't wait. Next week we have our partner back. It'll be great. It will be great. All right. Bye-bye, right, everybody. Ciao. my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody.